0: I would say since that burnout period, I think that I've actually had a difficulty recommitting to that vision. Even though it's the same vision, it's the same mission pre-burnout, I think I'm personally much less willing to just drive myself to the edge. I care a lot more about my personal well-being than I used to, and I'm not willing to compromise sleep as much as I used to, and I'm not willing to work until 10 p.m. as often as I used to.
1: That's Will Landry, founder of the Lichen Lab, an incubator for laboratory sustainability technologies. Their flagship product, the Shut the Sash Alarm, reminds scientists to keep laboratory fume hoods closed, which helps conserve energy, save money, and keep people safe from hazardous chemicals. In this episode, we talk about Burnout investing in your fire, and being self-critical. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. Now, your founder journey actually got started in somewhat of an unusual way. Back in high school, you were given a lot of real-world responsibility in a video game of all places. What in the world is that about?
0: Right now, I'm 24, and so I grew up Kind of as a digital native, really, and so I like to tell people I, I grew up kind of like half online and like half in the woods because that's kind of true. I'm from like rural central Mass, and there's a lot of woods there, and there's a, there's a lot to do on the internet too. So I was a I was a huge gamer, and anyone who's anyone or anyone who's no one knows what Minecraft is these days because it's the most sold game ever. Basically, just started out playing on their server kind of helping them out with like player content moderation and making sure everything was civil and making sure the website you know had we had a forums and making sure the forums weren't filled with trolls and that kind of thing and so i was just like the young guy who made sure that the forums were civil and that when we had emails about oh you you banned me for no reason that they'd get responded to that kind of thing it's just like a little microcosm of having your own game in and of itself That and and, other pushes from my dad really just got me outside whenever I wasn't on the computer. I'm from Massachusetts and a huge nonprofit there is like the Audubon Society. And so every summer working or volunteering or being a camper in this like summer camp, that's all about just getting into nature.
1: Growing up in the woods and sustainability, how did all of that wrap up into what you're doing now, the company you founded?
0: In high school, I was that kid who knew what they wanted to do and I had there was no question in my mind that I was gonna do biology research forever. I loved that stuff. I was super committed coming to college and through high school I was like, I'm gonna PhD in this. I want my own lab. This CRISPR stuff is gonna change the world and it has, but you know, that was really the story that I had spun for myself. But I hadn't challenged that narrative in many years. And so I came to college and worked in a lab. And this was now the second lab in a row where I didn't have a great relationship with my mentor. But this time it was much worse. <laughs> and so I, was, I got pretty disenchanted in my first year with academia. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if this, this stuff's for me. You know, I've had this narrative for so long, gone unchallenged about just wanting to do molecular bio forever. And at this point, I don't know what to do. And I had found on campus, we have a sustainability resource center, and I looked in one day. You know, it, it's not going to hurt to volunteer some hours to help out sustainability and environmentalism on my campus. And so I kind of fell in with that wherever I could. One of the kind coordinators at the school offered me a little internship when they had the funding for it. It's kind of a funny story. The person responsible for all of the waste data reporting and basically zero waste programming on campus had left unexpectedly from a family emergency, thinking they would come back and then never came back. And so this full-time role responsible for a large chunk of the sustainability reporting for UC San Diego had just been vacant. And the coordinator I was volunteering under was like, oh, well, why doesn't Will just do it? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. I totally am qualified and can do that role. I didn't know what I was doing at all, but it really amounted to a lot of just scraping of invoices and waste data and it was it was terrible. One of the areas that they were spinning up was this Green Labs program, this laboratory sustainability program on campus. And I was like, Wait, i worked in labs, like I could probably add value. Volunteered with them and ended up slowly becoming a student lead for that program and pushing out and expanding and developing our laboratory sustainability program here on campus. And That was really where I cut my teeth on this really small but growing niche of the Green Labs movement and laboratory sustainability. And although it's small and kind of underdeveloped now, it really does hold a real weight in the global circus. I mean, around 8% of U.S. carbon emissions in 2019 were just from the life sciences industry. Think Pfizer, think Moderna, these biotechnology, biopharma or life science research institutions like the big funded research universities like MIT and Stanford and the UCs, et cetera. And so that's a pretty big piece of the pie.
1: And that is really cool i don't know how many people think about that they care about sustainability and care about the planet and, but to focus on this area that is a, a hunk of a percentage of impact that's fascinating so sense of purpose and do you feel more like the puzzle piece is in its right place because it's a journey it doesn't just happen overnight for everybody
0: you know life's thrown me so many curveballs that i think you just you have to kind of strengthen this muscle of being okay with where you're at because you're not always able to just jump to what you want. And I'm a really impatient person. And like, I have always want to jump to exactly what I want to do.
1: If you could be exactly where you want to be right now, where would that be?
0: I think I'd be pretty content with what I'm doing right now, <laughs> to be honest with you. But it was a really long road to get to that place of self-understanding and self-acceptance, you know? And so I feel like right now I'm, I'm plugged in and buckled into this seat where I feel empowered to the extent that I might be able to achieve that potential, that really big environmental impact that I'm seeking.
1: Which is part of the founder mentality is that relentless spirit of wanting to go faster and be better and all that kind of stuff.
0: I would say that in my time of doing this, almost three years, I could chop it up in phases and much of my experience was dominated by COVID. And so that phase of being at home and not really having anything else to do but work on this I was super disconnected with healthy routine and with work-life balance. I was rushing recklessly towards that and towards that very starry vision that I was trying to manifest. And I think that that was super unsustainable personally. You know, it led to a period of real burnout for like six months for me where I was rushing so recklessly towards, ah, I got to do more. I'm going to work until 10 p.m and that's a super common thing is leading yourself to this cliff and jumping off it and not even knowing that you're off the cliff, but because you're so in the thick of it, you don't even know that you're burning yourself out. That relentless drive for your vision, you know, for me, it was just wanting to do really good for the world in terms of environmental impact. Like it took me a long time to even recognize that I was burning myself out. It was super unsustainable how I was how I was going about it. And I would say since that burnout period, I think that I've actually had a difficulty recommitting to that vision, even though it's the same vision, it's the same mission pre-burnout. I think I'm personally much less willing to just drive myself to the edge. I care a lot more about my personal well-being than I used to, and I'm not willing to compromise sleep as much as I used to, and I'm not willing to work until 10 p.m. as often as I used to.
1: The relentless, resilience, grit, all the things that make you a founder and make you a leader in getting somewhere also are the characteristics of burnout. If you go too far, it is burnout. So what you've learned is not to burn yourself out because it makes you less capable of achieving your vision. This is part of our nature. So instead of hating it, kind of love it and just take the peaks and the valleys out of it.
0: I wanted to touch really briefly on that notion of you never really lose that vision. That's what characterizes founders, they never really give up on that vision. I think I got really close to giving up on my vision when I was in that period of burnout and afterwards coming back, feeling like everything is new, everything is scary after I took some time away and just, I really felt like I was losing my commitment to this vision and it took real work to recommit and rediscover what made me so fired up about this kind of environmental space. That fire is something that I think you have to invest a little bit of time into rekindling now and then because it's it's not a given. I think I used to be so blind and reckless and in love with that vision, so committed that I would never have thought that I could be any less committed and any less obsessed with this vision.
1: What you've been through, thinking you might have lost it and then finding it and finding it in a way that might be healthier. I mean, you never really lost it if you have it. You had to go through that. Things are part of the story of our own journey. And when I get to points where you are, I say to myself, what am I learning from this? What am I learning from this? And that kind of gets you back to feeling productive. So after this journey that you've been through, are you finding you're feeling that again?
0: I was able to have this productive balance of work and life. I think productivity was something that I had to ramp back up as I kind of reattached to my own vision. And it was not like I could flip a switch. And I think once you just get back into the rhythm and kind of get back into the pattern, discipline that you once made for yourself, step back into that vein and just chug, even if, if it's a very humble daily goal and make sure you get that every day. You know, Just building up, having enough structure to keep yourself accountable or have others keep you accountable for this slow movement on things. Having that structure is vital. I don't think I would really do anything without that structure, you know, because it is hard to stay motivated and focused without atomized little goals in front of you. And something could be so big or so spooky that you don't want to do it. Like for me, the spooky thing that I have to do and that probably more founders should do is sales, right? You have to do prospecting. You have to just get over your ego because there's people out there that need your help, that they have the problems that only you can solve. you got to kind of get over yourself. Just pick up the damn phone, Will. You know, I want to be able to, to some extent, rescue the person that I really want to help. And this community that I serve, these Green Labs folks, these energy managers in the laboratory space, I want them to succeed. That's kind of the core ethos of our organization is we're trying to make it so that they can do the best job ever, so that they can save the world.
1: Now, what about building your team?
0: Just to kind of pull back the curtain, I'm a sole founder and that sucks. But uh, anyways, I'm super lucky to be supported by a couple of folks, sometimes full time, sometimes part time, sometimes as contractors and probably worked with a, a good handful of folks by now. Alas, all that aside, I think learning to delegate has been hard on certain areas. So right now, the thing that scares me a lot and that I have to, that I have to do a lot to make sure that my organization survives is sales. I have to pick up the phone. I have to help folks. And I need to delegate that now. I'm at the point where able to support a lot of demand, and I have to drum up that demand. So why haven't I delegated it yet? I think that's like one of my humble pills to swallow. And as you said, you're this constant student of the self, where you have to learn enough about yourself and figure out, okay, how are you being dumb? (laughs) How can you be less dumb about your work? This is one of my current dumb moments where clearly the case is we got to hire someone for sales. There's some reasons that could be justified for waiting, but there are always reasons for waiting to take the jump, whatever jump you're about to take.
1: So two questions to close. The first is, The best advice you ever got that helped you and the best advice you have.
0: I think no one's given me this advice, but you can kind of infer it from all of the stories that are spun in popular media about founders where it's like, oh, you have to constantly learn and adapt and be able to grow to fit this role because it's constantly changing. You're constantly working on other things. You're constantly being challenged. And what's kind of under the hood of that message is you really have to somehow get into a pattern of knowing yourself or take time and effort to know yourself as if you were someone else perhaps that can be achieved by having a, a confidant having an advisor having someone help you take yourself out of yourself get you out of your own head and help you understand the things that you might be really good at and the things where you might be totally neglecting and terrible at. having the gall to work with that critique and be it self-motivated through introspection or having this external feedback from a confidant an advisor, or someone, even if it's just a friend who's been in your shoes before, like another founder, being able to be okay with that type of self-work and that self-criticism. Don't shy away from thinking that you're really dumb. Some people tell me, oh, you want to you feel really dumb all the time because then you're learning, right? And I think I don't feel dumb enough. When I feel like an absolute idiot, that's the moment that I know that I'm making progress.
1: That was Will Landry, founder of The Lichen Lab. With a mission to reduce emissions created by the life sciences industry, The Lichen Lab builds technology to help laboratories save time, money, and energy. For more information, visit thelichenlab.com. I'm Maureen Taylor. Thanks for listening. Series producer is Mike Sullivan. Sound design by Mark Ream. Content and scripting by Jacelyn Drown and Catherine Hardy. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena Persiani-Shell, John Hughes, and Ren Barra.